back at the ranch. So um, now the sitter's in front of you? Yes. Yes, okay. So we said uh, tonight we're going to begin with the second of the brachas which precede, uh, which precede Shema. And that is the brach of Avarabah, which you have over here. So there are uh, a couple of things about this bracha, which I think are worth noting. So the first one says that, um, this is from my, uh, one of my sedurim, says, the cuss of Baal Hamin Hagos. I don't know who that is. Uh, the fact that we say Avarabah, that the, the bracha of Avarabah, the one which is on the screen in front of you, follows the bracha before that, which is the bracha of Yotzer HaMaoros, which is giving thanks to Hashem for the light which he provides. The reason is, is because this bracha happens to mention the unity of God's name. And it also uh, makes mention of the giving of the Torah, which enlightens the world more than all of the luminaries in the sky. The sun is only able to provide illumination by day. You can look out your window now and see that that's true. And the Torah is able to go ahead and illuminate the world spiritually, both by day as well as by night. And the sequence of these brachos, as we go from bracha 1 to bracha 2 into Kriyashma, so it follows what we find in Tehillim, where the Pasuk says, that the heavens go ahead and they retell the honor of God. That is a mention, that's a hint to the fact that God is the one who creates or forms the light. And then right afterwards it says, that the Torah of Hashem is complete and it restores the soul. That is this bracha, this middle bracha, second bracha, I should say. And then we go ahead and we say that the testimonies, the mitzvahs, which are called testimonies, so they are trustworthy, reliable. That we have an obligation to go ahead and testify about the oneness of God. And that's why immediately after this bracha, we go into Kriyashma, because that's the sequence of Torah into Yichud Hashem, into the, uh, the, the, uh, the oneness of, uh, of Hashem. So that is, based on the, uh, the Avudram, that is the, uh, that particular sequence of Bracha 1 to Bracha 2 into, uh, into Kriyashma. So that is number one. Now, another thing which is interesting over here is... Um, um, okay, just read it as is. So in the uh, the Nasib Bina, so he makes a point, and this is something which we, we often don't pay attention to, or I don't pay attention to during davening. It's hard to pay attention to this during davening uh, when we're trying to figure out what exactly are, is, uh, are, are the meaning of the words. But uh, the Nasib Bina, that more academic work on the sitter, so he makes the following observation. It says, Le'umas habracha hakodemes. In contrast to the previous bracha, the bracha of Yotzer or Shehi Beruba Beguf Shlishi, which is primarily in third person. So we're talking about not to God, we're talking about God. So he says, Hare Habracha Shafanenu, this bracha which you have in front of you over here on the screen, She'en Bahaskaras Malchus Hashem, 
it doesn't say Hashem Olam. He says Nochach. So this is primarily in second person. We're actually talking to God. We're not talking about God over here. We're talking to God. intimate. I didn't know that was a Hebrew word. But he says that this is the, the we're addressing God now intimately, meaning one-on-one. Lo olam, not that he is the creator of the universe. Ella lenosein ha-Torah, but we refer to him as the one who goes ahead and gave us the Torah. So we're moving, uh, we're making this, uh, this, this progress, and this fits into the overall theme which we've, been, uh, which we've been discussing in terms of that most davening up until Shemon Esrei is primarily a meditate, it's a meditative exercise to go ahead and put us in the mindset to be able to speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu directly. And therefore, we're moving now from our perception of God as the creator of the universe, which is very broad, that's, you know, that's the infinite God who's beyond everything. And then we go ahead and now we focus very much. We begin to focus now on the intimate relationship that we have together with God. And this is now we see that as the greatest expression of the intimate relationship that we have with God is the fact that Hashem is the Nosein HaTorah. That we have this intimate relationship because he is the one who went ahead and gave us the Torah. And through that, we're going to be able to see it's not the infiniteness of God in a certain sense, but it's now a focused, defi- it's not finite, but it's now the unity of God. So we're going from this infinite universe to now the unity of God, as is going to be expressed in Kriyashma, where we say, Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad. So we're able to take all of that vast universe and bring it into focus. It's like going through the prism, and suddenly all of that broad light is now focused through the prism, and it becomes the uh, the Hashem Echad. So that, in many ways, is what we are trying to accomplish uh, through the, the recitation of this bracha. And it's for that reason that we begin to address God in second person. So we're talking about him as the no Torah, rather than as the creator. And then... We have a very nice idea. It's, it's hard on the screen over here, the way it appears, but I'll read it to you uh, in terms of the way uh, Revelyao Monk in the world of prayer, the way he goes at and he says it. And he says, God's love of Israel is the first and final subject of this bracha. So the bracha begins, ooh, whoa, jumped pretty far. It begins over here with Ava Rabba Avtanu Hashem Elkeinu that you, Hashem, Hashem our God, you have loved us with a great love. So that's the opening line of this thing is Hashem's love for the Jewish people. And then it ends, that, Hashem, blessed are you, Hashem, the one who has chosen Amo Yisrael, his nation of the Jewish people, the Ahava also with love. So the bracha begins and ends with God's love of the Jewish people. And then he says the sentence, Shema Yisrael, which proclaims the permanent election of Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Hashem who is our God, is one, is enclosed between the expressions of God's love of Israel. That is this Habocher Bamo Yisobi So this the passage about Hashem's love for us. And then the next thing, the next love that we talk about is that's addressing the Jewish people, saying, you Jewish people, you should love Hashem, your God. So in between the end of the bracha, 
which talks about God's love for the Jewish people, and the beginning of the Ahavtah, which is the Jewish people's love for God, sandwiched in between that, the yummy cream filling in between the uh, the two you know cookie sides of the Oreo. So the, what's in the middle over there is the Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad, that Hero Israel Hashem is our God, Hashem is one. So that is uh, in their love of each for each other, God and Israel meet. And that's the idea which he says, is we have love and love and Shema Yisrael in between all of that. So that's how uh, Revelyao Monk in the world of prayer, that's how he sees the connection which is being made between the bracha and as we enter into Kriyashma. And then the only other thing that I want to uh, just bring to your attention as far as this bracha is concerned is the idea that uh, I'm not sure how many people um, are aware of what goes on, but there's a, uh, an issue of whether or not we say the bracha of Amen to, going back over here, when the Chazan says, So is it appropriate to answer Amen at that point or not? Now, obviously, the first uh, intuition is to say that, of course, why wouldn't you say Amen to a bracha? We answer Amen to every bracha that, uh, that we say. Obviously, except for those brachas where we don't say amen, like Go'al Yisrael, we go out of our way to, uh, to avoid that. But the question over here is, should we say amen or not? And what exactly is the, uh, the halachic issue involved uh, with that? In some places, uh, it doesn't happen at, at young Israel, but you could certainly go to some shuls and certainly in some yeshivas where when the chazan gets to this line of you'll hear the entire tzibur says those words together. Because it's a very loud, you know, depending on the size of the shul and the yeshiva, but it can be a very a, a thunderous uh, uh, recitation of these words where everybody goes out and says it together. Then you'll hear there's a little bit of silence, that, you know, deafening sound of the silence. And then everybody begins Shema Yisrael at the same time. And they purposely did not say the bracha of, they don't say uh, amen to the bracha. The tzibur does not say amen to the bracha. So in one of the farm which we use, the Lukute Marich, so he writes as follows. He says, He says, as far as the issue is concerned, whether to answer Amen to this bracha or not, So the Mechaber and Shulchan Aruch is of the opinion that we did not say Amen, that you don't answer Amen to this bracha. Why? Because we don't want to go ahead and have uh, the, uh, an interruption of saying Amen between the bracha and what we are uh, saying Amen upon. Just like um, uh, you're not supposed to interrupt between Hamotzi Lecha Minaretz and actually eating the chala. It's supposed to be a, uh, a, it's supposed to go, one is supposed to blend directly, not blend, but one is supposed to go directly into the other. You don't interrupt between any bracha and food in eating that food. So in the same way, Shochan says that the bracha, is the bracha which is being said on the recitation of Shema. And therefore, you don't want to have any interruption in between that, even as far as answering Amen to that bracha itself. Even that we would not go ahead and we would do. But rather, Shulchan Aruch says that what you should do is you should pause in your own uh, recitation and you, uh, you wait till uh, without saying the bracha 
to yourself, and you wait till the chazan gets there. In that way, everybody ends the bracha together. And if you end the bracha together with the shleich tzibur, then there's the, there's no question about saying amen. You don't say amen in that case in in, in any in any event. But he says That's also the opinion of the shlach hakadosh. And then he says, but vidas lanos amen. The Ramah's opinion, which generally Ashkenazim follow, but over here he says, the Ramah says that we do answer Amen. And he says that answering Amen to this bracha would not constitute an interruption, as would be the case by interrupting between uh, making a bracha on food and eating the food. Because he says an interesting idea. He says, This actually is not a bracha on Kriyashma. When you say Hamotzi Lecha Minaretz, so obviously the bracha is on the bread that you're about to eat. When you say a bracha, obviously the intention is on the apple that you're, you're about to eat. But he says that's not the case when you say and then you go into Kriyashma. That's not a bracha, which is actually being said on Shema. How do we know that that's true? It's not a bracha on Kriyashma itself. He says a very simple observation. He says, Shaharei, because normally when you say a bracha on the performance of a mitzvah, so the language which we use is and then you go ahead and then you mention the mitzvah. Uh, you know, whatever that, uh, whatever the, the bracha is going to be. So the, a, a clear indicator that the bracha is being said on the mitzvah, which you're about to do, is the fact that you have that language, asher kedushanu b'mitzvah That's usually the way, uh, the way it goes. And yet, you don't find that over here at all. There's nothing which hints to the fact that this bracha is actually being said. There's a bracha on, on, the, uh, on, on Shema itself. And therefore, he says that there's no issue at all to go ahead and answer Amen, because it's not a birchas ha-mitzvah. It's not a bracha on the mitzvah of Kriyashma. He says that some of the Rishonim actually say that when Chazal referred to it as birchas Kriyashma, which sounds like it's a bracha on the mitzvah of Kriyashma, it's actually a misnomer. It's actually a misleading terminology, because it's not a bracha on the mitzvah itself. But he says... That in the event that you finish the bracha before, so then there's going to be no issue to go ahead and say that. And as a result of the fact that there's a machlokas, so that's why different yeshivas and different shuls may have a different minog as far as that is concerned, whether to go ahead and to say um, amen on the bracha, to finish the bracha whenever, whatever your normal pace is, finish the bracha on your own. And then when you hear the Sheikh Tzibur say the word, to say Shema, to, sorry, to say Amen, or do you purposely go ahead and wait at the end of the bracha so that you could say it together with the Sheikh Tzibur in order to avoid answering Amen? And that's just a machlokis, what, the, what, the, what, what, what people do. I don't think there's a particular uh, one practice which is better than the other. One practice, which is more preferred than the other, is just what people uh, are used to uh, are, are used to doing. Okay, so that is as far as answering Amen uh, over there. Sometimes, do you uh, see a shliach sibar who does not complete that bracha out loud, just starts it? Uh, right. So sometimes you'll hear. Thank you, Steve. Sometimes you'll hear a shliach tzibur who goes out and will say it quietly, the same way we say the bracha of Goal Yisrael right before Shmon Esrei quietly, because if it's said quietly, then obviously you can't answer Amen, because you didn't hear the end of the bracha. 
but I, I, I haven't really, I haven't seen in the post game somebody says that over here that you should actually say it quietly that nobody could hear the end of the bracha. By Gal Yisrael, you find that over here, either you you, you got you got to make a commitment over here. Either either you're going to say Amen or you're not going to say Amen, one or the other. But either way, do it loud and do it proud. Um, okay, now. Um, now we get to uh, to Shema itself. So now the first thing that is worthwhile to mention over here is this idea that we have of you see the opening words that are in the highlighted section over here of Kelmelch Naaman. So these three words they seem like uh, pretty straightforward words. Uh, they translated as Almighty, Faithful uh, King. And these words, when Chazal asked, "What is the meaning? What's the translation of the word Amen?" So Chazal say one of the explanations that they gave is Amen is actually a Rashi Tevis. It's, it's an acronym for these three words. You look at these three words, which are highlighted. So you have the Aleph, the Mem, and the Nun. So every Amen is a confirmation that Hashem is the faithful king, that the Almighty is a, is a faithful king. Now, that's a nice idea. And it could very well be that uh, we'll see in summary shown him that they always used to say Kel Melech Ne'aman in between and Shema. And that may be, instead of actually answering Amen, so we go ahead and we do the expanded version of Amen, and we go ahead and we spell out which each letter actually represents of, uh, of that. That's a nice, uh, it's a nice vart that, uh, that Chazal say, uh, but, not, um, but not necessarily is that, the, is that the only pshat. So the tour says, this is in Simon Samachalif. So he gives a little bit of the, of the history of this edition of Kelmach Lehman. Part of what makes it a fascinating uh, study is the fact that it's not mentioned by Chazal, by Chazal meaning in the Gemara. The Gemara doesn't talk about adding Kelmach Lehman. So if it's not mentioned in the Gemara, so where exactly, where exactly does it come from? So it says, um, uh, the Torah writes, Yesh Nogim Lomar Tchila Kelmach Lehman. So that phrase means some people always begin Kriya Shema with the phrase Kel Melch Naman, with those three words. Some people say Amen Kel Melch Naman. So they actually do both. They double dip. They say Amen and Kel Melch Naman. And they give a reason for why you would go ahead and you would say both. Amen Kel Melch Naman. Four words we're going to call it. So he says the reason why they give is because Shema, if you count up Shema all the way to the end of Shema, so there's 248 words minus four. They're counting it as minus four, the tour counts it. Here in the commentary to the tour, they say, you know, uh, we really have it as minus three, but okay. They have it as minus four. Uh, so you say, Amen. As a way of making up the missing four words so that your recitation of Shema equals the limbs of a person. That is one approach. Um, okay, we don't need that. Um, okay, so that's what the that's what the, the tour writes. And he says, then comes along the the Beis Yosef, and he says, uh, the Beis Yosef writes, nearly, seems to me, Shafabisha Harama, Sasa Minagzeh, Mishum Delesa Masis and Vlobagamara, 
So even though you have Rishonim who reject this idea of adding Kel Melch Nehman, uh, at the beginning of, uh, of Shema, for the reason we mentioned is because saying Kel Melch Nehman is the introductory word to Shema do not appear in the Mishnah or the Gemara. Says the Beis Yosef, he says, it's still, even though it's not in Shas, it still seems to be a pretty ancient uh, in, uh, 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 minog, which people had. But it's something which uh, they did, and then somebody came along, or some group came along, and uh, did away with that practice. In order not to create an interruption in between the end of the bracha and Shema. And therefore, they enacted in its place, right? If you go ahead, if you say, let's just use our numbers. If you say Shema has 245 words, so you're missing three. So adding Kelmelch Neman will get you up to the 248, which is the magic number we're looking for. If you don't say Kelmelch Neman, so now you're going to be short three limbs. You're going to be short three words. So how do you go ahead and make that up? So says the Beis Yosef that in place of that, to make up for these missing three words, so that's why it says, that's so funny that they do this. So we go ahead and we repeat at the end, Hashem Elokechem Emes. So having the Sheikh Tzibur say out loud, Hashem Elokechem Emes, and everybody should be listening to the Sheikh Tzibur say those words, because by listening to his reading of those three words, his repetition of those three words, it's counted as if we said those three words. So that brings us back to the number 248. So by the 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 Shliach Tzibur says repeats Hashem Elokechem Ms not because he's trying to go ahead and just paste the Tzibur. There's that element as well. I'm just trying to make sure that everybody's literally on the same page. But he's also doing so in order to be mashlim, in order to complete those uh, those words. And he goes ahead and he says further. He says the basis says later on. He says uh, also an interesting idea. He says, tiknu. I hadn't uh, seen this uh, before. He says in Shmon Esrei, so the enactment is, we know that the structure of Shmon Esrei, even though we haven't done it yet uh, together in the GPS thing, but the structure of Shmon Esrei is that you have Shlosha Brachos Rishonos, you have the opening three brachas, that's consistent throughout the year. We always have the same opening three brachas. The Shlosha Brachos Achronos. And then we have the concluding three brachas, which also remains consistent, whether it's a weekday, whether it's Shabbos, whether it's Yantiv. And the Kriyashma, so there's a parallel to that in Kriyashma as well. Shlosha Shemos. We begin Kriyashma with three mentions of God's name. Let's go to the beginning of here, where you have. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem. So there you have three names of God at the outset. Uh, and then Shlosha Shemos Bachrona. And then we have three names of God appear at the end. And this is going to be, again, I don't know why they, they oh, here we go. And then you have Hashem Elokechem Emes. So Hashem is the name of God. Elokechem is the name of God, God. And then Emes is one of the nicknames, or that's the seal of God. So that also is going to be like the three concluding brachas of Shmonas, right? And if somebody goes ahead and says Kriyashma in this way, opening with God and ending with God and the rest of Shema in between, so it's clear that that provides spiritual protection and the person is not going to be harmed for the remainder of the day. Now he says, 
Now, this is where our practice comes from, where we say, happening on its own, I'm sorry. Let me go back. Uh, he says that if somebody says Kriya Shema when uh, davening by themselves, not with the tzibur, so, so the way we do it, where we complete the 248 by listening to the shliach tzibur say, repeat the words, Hashem lokechem emes, so what are you supposed to do if you're davening by yourself? If you're in quarantine or isolation, you can't get to shul. So you're not going to be able to hear the sheikh Tzibor say those three words. So what do you do? So if you're trying to get to that 248 and you're going to be missing it because there's no sheikh Tzibor, so what do you do so? So the one eitza is, there is Yechavim Betes Vav Vavin Debeemes Vyatsiv. So over here, you look in the bracha, which follows the, um, I didn't count up the words now, but you see all the words which are highlighted on the page over there. All of these words start with a Vav. So there's 15 Vavs of these words. Vim Kol, and that is, um, 15 times uh, 6. Somehow there's a, it's, forget what, I forget what the, the gematria is. 15 90. times 6 is 90? 90. 90. Yeah. So something about 90. He says that, but he says, Vim kolda hayakar, forgot why the 90. Oh, yeah, he says that uh, the, the preacher mentions it. He says, So 15 times 6 is your 30. Uh, if you take the name of Hashem, that's Yudke Vavke, so that is 26. Oh, there it is. And with the four letters of Hashem's name, so you could add another four. So 26 plus 4 is 30. And therefore, the name, these vavs, which is 90, is Hashem's name times three. So this you need, this is like a 201 gematria course. You need to take the gematria of Hashem's name, plus the four letters that comprise his name, then multiply that by three, and that equals the 15 vavs of V'yatsi V'nachem V'kayim V'yashav and Amon. And that's how you're going to go ahead and you're going to make up those missing three words. So one eitzah is to go ahead and you have in mind the 15 vavs, and that's how you're going to go ahead and do so. Or the other thing is, this is the way, the way it's brought down like by the Mishabura, is that when you say Kriya Shema by yourself, so if you don't want to go ahead and think about those vavs, so that's where we can, that's where it's brought down in most Sadurim, that we say Kelmelch Ne'eman, because that's going to be the missing three words. So in davening by yourself, and you're not going to be able to hear, hear the Shriach Zibur, so we throw in these words, Kelmelch Ne'eman, and all of that is an effort to be able to get to the uh, to 240, uh, the uh, the two forty eight that we are uh, that we are looking for. Now, um, another thing which is, and I don't have my order stuff very well, but uh, let me go ahead and show you just overall in Kriyashma. Um, 
the one of the things which they say is special about Kriyashma, one of the things that you're supposed to think about, again, this is just, it's sort of like uh, there's uh, sometimes there's sensory overload. There's too much noise and there's too much lights and there's too much stuff which is, uh, which is going on and you get lost in the whole thing. But there is this idea that Vudram brings down that one should think about the Aseras Hadibros when saying Kriyashma. That one of the values, one of the good things about uh, Aseras Hadibros about Kriyashma is the fact that it contains Aseris Adibros. If you remember, those who remember from uh, Masechus Brachos, that there was a, a, a discussion in the Gemara about whether or not to incorporate the Aseris Adibros into davening. Is this something which we should do, we shouldn't do? Like who decided that we're going to go ahead and we're going to add Kriyashma into davening, but we're not going to go ahead and add the Aseris Adibros. Aseris Adibros seemingly would be a classic. If there's something which is a classic Judaism thing, it would be the Aseris Adibros. Why did that not make it into, uh, into, uh, into davening? So the reason we say is, is because Chazal were afraid, and this is already, you know, may have had some uh, Christian influence already at, at, at this point, but there was a concern that people would say that only the Aseris Adibros are divine, and the rest of it is not divine. And therefore, they, they specifically did not add it into davening in order not to give it more um, credibility or to give it overemphasis. Let's call it like that. But even though we don't actually read the Aseris Adibros as part of davening, it didn't make it into the Siddur, it is alluded to in Kriyashma. You could, find, you could find a reference to all 10 of the Aseris Adibros, and that is, so the first of the Aseris Adibros is, Anochi Hashem Elkecha, so I am Hashem your God. Obviously, this is going to be Hashem Elkeinu Hashem Echad, or Hashem Elkeinu, let's say, that he is our God. Then the second of the Aseris Adibros is, you're not allowed to have other gods, you're not allowed to have other gods. So this is going to be hinted to by the words Hashem Echad. So the fact that we emphasize that God is one, that means that there are no other gods. Then the third of the Aseris Adibros is, don't take God's name in vain. So this is understood to be, uh, uh, is alluded to in um, that you're going to love Hashem, uh, your God, with all of your heart. And he says, the, the way that we understand it is, Mishu Oev Esamelech, and uh, we, we, this is something which is, I think, foreign to us, because we don't really have kings like this in this idea. But the idea is that somebody who loves a king, lo yeshava bishmo l'sheker. So you're not going to go ahead and use his name to take an oath and go ahead and do so falsely. So taking God's name in vain is a disrespect. It shows a lack of respect of your relationship or your attitude towards the person whose name that you're taking it in vain, the name of the king. So here, by emphasizing that you should love Hashem, somebody who loves Hashem is not going to go ahead and use his name in an oath and do so falsely. Now, um, he says that the fourth of the Aseris Sedibros is the observance of Shabbos. Where do we find the observance of Shabbos? So that is... This one is a little bit of a stretch. This takes the, you know, a medium-sized sledgehammer for you Dafyomi people. So what does, uh, so how does Shabbos get into this phrase that uh, these words are going to be on your, on your, that I, uh, that I'm commanding you today. So he says, this is related to the Pasuk, which is said by Shabbos. This is in Shmos Tezayin. Um, 
this week's parsha, actually, I think. This week's parsha, next week's parsha. I think it's this week's parsha. Yeah, this week's parsha. They've got the wrong Maramako. Oh, sorry, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. This is by, it's in this week's parsha when we talk about the Mon. So he says, uh, Moshe says, Vayomer Moshe, Ichluhu Hayom, eat the man today, Ki Shabbos Hayom Lahashem. Because today is Shabbos to Hashem. So we make a connection between Ki Shabbos Hayom Lahashem. Today is a day, this day is Shabbos. And the fact that it says, Asher Anochim Hayom, we emphasize on the word Hayom. So that's, as I said, this is going to be a nice size sledgehammer, medium sized sledgehammer to go ahead and get that in. Then the fifth of the Aseris Adibros is So we know that the reward for uh, uh, proper Kibbara Ve'ein is length of days. And here you have So in order to increase your days in the days of your children. So that is that uh, such a reference. The sixth of the Aseris Adibros is Lo Sirtzach, to not go ahead and kill anybody. So this is alluded to in Uvlech Chavaderech. As you're going through on your path, as you're going through the path of life, so make sure that you have uh, God in mind. And he says also that the Abu Dram says that most time Ritzicha takes place, most murders take place while people are traveling on the road or something. So traveling is a, uh, is a, uh, a dangerous thing. The seventh is Losinaf, is the prohibition against uh, adultery or illicit relations. This is going to be when you lay down is when you're going into bed. So make sure that you're uh, cognizant of God when you uh, when you are in bed. Then the eighth is losignov. Um, that is, uh, we'll just take it over here. So we make mention of tying the chill into your hands, and therefore your hands should not be used to go ahead and grab somebody else's stuff. Then the ninth is testifying falsely. That's going to be between your eyes. That you should not testify. Uh, you should right. You shouldn't testify about what you did not see with your own eyes. So your eyes also you have to uh, keep special. And then the tenth of the Aserus is the prohibition of osachmod of covering somebody else's stuff. So this is going to be. And one of the things which we say is that you shouldn't cover your friend's uh, your friend's house. Um. So we say that that is um, uh, um, sorry, where I went to the wrong one. Uh, we say, we can put it over here. So it's going to be your house and you shouldn't be coveting uh, your friend's house. So that is the, uh, the allusion to that. So that is where we go ahead and we put the, uh, the, uh, um, the uh, the Aser Sedibros into, into Kriyashma over there. Then... Uh, Pasha, have, well, could, you, yes. could you just say again which um, which is for honoring your parents? What line in there is for honoring your parents? Yeah, that's at the end of... That's Laman Yerbu Yemechem Vimei Venechem. Oh, thank you. Length of days with uh, the Aser Sedibros. <clears throat> um, now... Now, 
Um, right, so then we did. Um, and then, um, where did it go? Yeah, so now as far as, going back to the beginning of Shema, so the this phrase, which they put small, the Baruch Shem Kavom HaChusol Yolam Vo'ed, so uh, as everybody knows, so we say that quietly, we say that to, to ourselves, and the idea behind saying it to ourselves, so this is found in the Gemara in Psachim on Daf Nun Vav. It says that the, uh, the Gemara presents it as an uncertainty as far as what we should do. That um, um, that on the one hand, actually, let me pull out. So the, the Gemara expresses uncertainty exactly how we should conduct ourselves with saying this uh, this idea, because. Um, Right. So the Gemara says that, this is going back to Parshas uh, Vayichi, we say that Avayikra of Yaakov Elbanov, the Yaakov calls together his sons, Vayomer, and he said, that come and I will tell you what's going to be in the end of days. So Chazal understand, because Yaakov legalos the of that Yaakov wanted to go ahead and tell his children, let's just say for simplicity, when Mashiach would come. So that was his intent. On his deathbed, he was going to share that with his 12 sons. But at that moment, so the divine presence left him at that moment, leaving him without the ability to uh, be able to relate that. He had a senior moment, we'll, we'll call it, at that time. And he couldn't remember anymore what, the, what he was going to say. Amar, so as at the moment that he was going to go ahead and share this information and his mind goes blank, he says, hmm, obviously something divine is going on over here. The fact that at this exact moment, I, uh, I lost my train of thought. Maybe one of my children is not as honest or upright or righteous as I assumed. Maybe I, I Yaakov, am also like Avram Avinu, who had a son who was not so righteous. That son's name was Yitzchak, And maybe I'm no different than my father Yitzchak. Who had a child who also was not so righteous, named Asaph. So he expressed to his sons, he says, Maybe one of you guys is hiding something, and you're not as righteous as you portray yourselves to be. Amrulobanov, so the children, the 12 tribes, say to Yaakov Avinu, they say, Tati, they say, Don't worry about it. That our heart is dedicated to the one and only God. And in, in hearing that, oh, sorry, skip the line. Some Lobanov, Shema Yisrael, so he said, Hear Yisrael, not referring to Kla Yisrael, referring to their father as Yisrael, hear father. He says, There is only Hashem is our God, He is one. Just like you, Yaakov, are, your heart is completely dedicated and directed towards God. So too, in our heart, there's only one God. In response to his children's declaration of, uh, of allegiance to God, so his response was, Blessed is his, the honored name of his kingdom forever and ever. So the first person, the first human to use this phrase 
was Yaakov Avinu. So I'm Rabbanu. So Rabbanu now say, Hechi Navid. So what exactly are we supposed to do as far as reading this Pasuk? On the one hand, you could argue if Yaakov went ahead and he said it, so maybe we should say it also out loud. But but Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say it. When he went ahead and composed Shema, he did not include the Pasuk of in Shema. And if you're going to say we don't have to say it, because Moshe Rabbeinu didn't, but Amr Yaakov. But Yaakov did say it. So we're sort of stuck. Yaakov said it out loud. Moshe Rabbeinu did not incorporate it into Shema. So what are the rest of us Yatsis supposed to do? Who do we follow? We follow Yaakov Avinu or we follow Moshe Rabbeinu. So hiskinu shuyu omri So therefore the enactment was, the compromise was that we will say it, but we're going to say it quietly. We say it in a whisper because we don't want to go ahead and say it out loud, which may be offensive to, uh, to Moshe Rabbeinu, but we don't want to skip it all together because well, Yaakov Avinu went ahead and he said it. And therefore, we say it quietly. And then in the Yalkut Shimoni, in one of the Midrashim, it says what we know to be true. And with this, we'll finish. We say, But when it comes to Yom Kippur, where we are as clean of sin as the angels. So, so on Yom Kippur is the one day where we have the right because we are elevated into angelic status. So it's on that one day out of the year that we could go ahead and we can say it out loud. And that's when we make a point of saying together out loud with, the, with everybody. Because that's the one time that we resemble angels. This is actually a praise of God, which, is, which we borrowed or we lifted from the angels. We stole the copyright. So we went ahead and we lifted it from the angels. So only on the day that we are like angels, on Yom Kippur, can we go ahead and say it out loud? But the rest of the year, we say it quietly as uh, an attempt to strike a compromise between Yaakov Inu's approach, which was to say it out loud, and Moshe Rabbeinu's approach, which was to say it, to, which was to not say it all together. So that's why the practice is to go ahead and say that, uh, say that quietly. Okay, so we'll uh, hold it over here. We'll pick it up from uh, here, continuing on Kriyashma Mir Sashem next week. Same bad time, same bad channel, and hopefully with uh, full microphone on. Thank you.